Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm not sure what I'm doing, so... (laughs) Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. And that would make me your other co-host, Chris LaSalle. So it has come, Chris. (laughs) It it has. I trust you, Dave. (laughs) So we have reached minute number 58, and this minute starts with Kirk finishing saying, at regular intervals... And ends with Savick raising her fingers to a Vulcan teenage Spock. Yes. I don't know why I said Vulcan teenage Spock, because clearly Spock's a Vulcan, but whatever. That's okay. <laughs> I was maybe, I thought you were just going to say Vulcan teenager, but we all know it's Spock. Yeah. Um, so the beginning of the minute, Kirk finishes his thought uh, from the bridge and says, uh, basically, the whole line is keep trying Chekhov at regular intervals. Yep. Whatever. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yep. That's the that's his order. Keep trying. I don't know. Yep. Keep trying. Keep trying. So then we switch to the um, Genesis planet. Where. Looks like Savick is trying to get some some shut eye, mm-hmm. and she's woken by the planet uh, surging. Yes, and I, for life, me can't figure out what's going on in this. <laughs> I think she's leaning uh, leaning on a tree, and another tree jumps out of the ground next to her or falls over. I, it's it's really hard to tell. There's a chaos here. Yes, looks like she gets hit by a tree. <laughs> Um, the ground starts steaming. Yep. Um, yeah. I will say that the darkness here has done wonders for the sets. <laughs> as we can't really tell what's going on. Um, but this close-up of her sleeping, and then, yeah, the roots coming up, and then the tree, and then the, the gush of steam coming from the earth, and, uh, you know, the planet... And uh, she's looking around. I find so. <laughs> there's a couple things I find odd. Yes, I find the tree falling and the chaos that, that ensues. But then she has already stood up. Yeah. And then we see her up until I think second eleven. She's sort of looking off into the distance, and then they switch her cut, and then all of a sudden it looks like she stands up again. <laughs> like, is she standing up and then standing up again? Like, what? Oh, I, yeah. I get what they were kind of... Maybe they were looking for a dramatic... <laughs> a dramatic moment with her standing up, but I... The damage is done. She has already got up, and then they cut to her standing up again in frame, and it just looks weird. Well, now that you say that, I'm forever going to see it but i've always you know what i always thought was happening there i thought she was approaching spock and like ducking under something 
Oh no, she, there's no ducking. <laughs> she's sitting up. She's sitting up, and it just looks like she's looking in completely different. The, the way that they've composed it, where she's looking off to the left, and then suddenly they change the scene, and she stands up, and she's looking to the right. It just looked – everything in that transition just looks bad. Wow. Well, now I hate this minute. Thanks. You're welcome. Good eye, though. I never really paid attention to it because, yeah, even with this – She's looking down her tricorder. There's, you know, dust flying, and it looks very chaotic. And then when she stands up again, there's really no evidence of any of that chaos around her. Right. Yeah. So do you think this was like stitched together from? I wonder if there was multiple cuts. And oh, we should pay attention to. I know, you know, the the, the surging is going to continue. We should look to see where this uh, this moment where she's looking looking around. Mm-hmm. And looking off to the left, that's connected to some other sequence. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I just feel like maybe this was. I, I, now that I think about it, and you say it, I totally agree that this looks like it was stitched together in two, two separate moments in the film were mm. stitched together in some way. I feel like her standing up and going over to the the young Spock, I feel like was. They probably could have started with that, and then maybe the sleeping Savic could have happened after. Because mm. I feel like they're yeah they're almost out of order. Interesting. Yeah, and also the you know generally now when you hear that when the planet surges and you get an earthquake and stuff, it's usually accompanied by Spock, you know, surging as well or crying yes. out in pain. And he's not necessarily doing that here. He's he's obviously he's as we know as you know as she approaches him he's suffering but it's yes. not because of the surge it's Ponfar is here Ponfar is here so she yeah she slowly walks over to him or in his direction and in english we hear you know we know that she says so it has come i don't know the vulcan what word she actually i never i was not able to find her vulcan uh translations that's okay i just like you doing klingon you don't have to oh, do Vulcan okay. too. All right. So she says, so it has come. And then we see Spock number three. Hey. So this is uh, Stephen Manley. Yes. Stephen Manley. Uh, yes. Quite the resume. He's done all sorts of stuff. Mm, um, yeah. And uh, uh, reading through his, uh, you know, I was going through his resume. Uh, did a lot of TV and... Um, uh, for those uh, those of our listeners who are a certain age, meaning you know our age, uh, he, he was on some great '70s TV, uh, Adam Twelve, yep. Emergency. I used to love those series. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was on The Love Boat, which I think is just everybody has to be on The Love Boat if you're an actor in the in the '70s. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I don't know how many. Uh, now that I say that, I don't know how many movies he was in, uh, other than Search for Spock. Um, but yeah, search for Spock. And then immediately after that, he was on WizKids. Gotta love WizKids. That was a great show. That's <laughs> a great show. 1984. It, uh, it was like the, I don't know if it was one of the first, uh, pro nerd TV shows, but, uh, <laughs> I know. Well, I, it. I mean, it was definitely a, a first computer esque show, mm-hmm. like showcasing kids using computers. Right, computers are cool. The nerds are cool. Yeah, it's all good. 
Was that a result of war games, maybe? Oh, I, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, though. I would say absolutely, but timing-wise, when did war games come out? Was that 83 or 84? 83. So Wiz Kids came out a year later. So, oh, yeah, I definitely think that it was a result of kids kids getting their hands on computers and the hijinks they could get into. (laughs) Yep. Anyway, Wiz Kids, if you haven't seen it, it, it's worth a peek. So, yeah, so Stephen Manley, um, Spock number three. Yep. And uh, Spock uh, or Ponfar Spark. Uh, Ponfar, I can't say it. Ponfar Spock. Yes, Ponfar Spark. See, you can't do anything. You just said Spark. <laughs> Ponfar Spock. <laughs> well done. Um, so, yeah, so she gets over to him and... That ends the minute, right? <laughs> well, I think we get to... <laughs> we're, we're, done, we're done discussing anything, right? You don't want to talk about Ponfar? Um, well, yeah. She, uh, so what... I, I feel like... So, total disclaimer, I feel like we need to save most of our discussion for Ponfar for, for uh, minute 59. Yeah. So we're going to sort of dance around Ponfar a little bit here and not get into the meat of the discussion until, until Monday on minute 59. Our audience just all went, oh, yeah, it's Friday. We want Ponfar. We want Ponfar. <laughs> uh, you go have your Ponfar. So I like the I, I, the interaction here of, you know, so Savick speaks in bulk and you know, she says, so it has come. And I'm pretty sure uh, Robin Curtis is, is speaking the words. She's not speaking English and they're dubbing over her. Yeah, I couldn't tell because I think the words she speaks and the words that are translated are so similar that I could not tell, but I have to believe based on another line in this minute that she clearly looks like she says the Vulcan lines and not English. Yeah. Um, so I would have to say she is speaking Vulcan. Right. You know, Vulcan, I don't, I, this is, here's my bad Trekkie moment for yep. this episode, at least. Um, I feel like we don't hear Vulcan much. We definitely hear, we hear a lot of Klingon. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking about Star Trek broadly. Yeah. Um, can you think of instances where the only a two lot of Vulcan spoken? The only two movies, even TV shows that I can think of that um, that are ever spoken Vulcan are Wrath of Khan and this movie. Oh, really? Because I'm thinking even in you know so Discovery, we're you know, at the time of this recording, we're like on a mid-season break with the, for season one of yep. Star Trek Discovery, and there's been some some scenes on Vulcan, but everybody's yep. speaking English. The, yep. the Klingons are famously all talking Klingon and being subtitled, but Vulcans yep. were speaking English. Um, even even in the reboot, like when we see young Spock on Vulcan and he's taking the test, and you know the the, the Vulcan punks come up and try to elicit emotional response, all English, all English. <laughs> Vulcan punks. I love that band. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the reason I was going, was going there is, so we have these two lines, you know, so it has come and will you trust me that Savick says in in Vulcan. And I was struck by uh, it, it hurt the, the, the language of Vulcan sounds very elvish to me to go to Lord of the Rings. It, it, I, I totally get why you think that. Yeah. And, um, it does sound a little elvish, but I think also maybe the ears have something to 
uh, something to do there. Maybe a little bit. Are you getting? They're in sort of like a forest, mountainous area. Yeah, I definitely think the whole setting, the language, and her ears, the ears. I think it definitely gives that Lord of the Rings esque feel. Gotcha. So you're just saying I'm biased by the whole, the whole, the whole scene, the whole package is just taking me there. Um. So one interesting thing, you and I, we were looking at the script uh, for yep. Star Trek Three, and this is actually supposed to be the first time we hear Spock speak. Yes. And he actually, Savick says it's called Ponfar, and then she repeats it, Ponfar, and then Spock replies to her in Vulcan. Pon, well, I guess he says he says Ponfar. Yes. Is Ponfar a the, Vulcan word? Is that like one of those... Um... Those French words that means the same thing. <laughs> like baguette, <laughs> you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it means the same thing in French as well as in uh, English kind of I, thing. I guess, yeah. So, um, and I'm, I'm curious why they cut it, you know, why they didn't make it into the film. Um, were they just saving it? That we don't want to hear this guy's, we don't want to hear his voice as a youth? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't even, you know, I, I haven't even investigated if they have any deleted scenes in this movie. And I wonder if that's a deleted scene. Mm. Like they actually did do the recording, but it just, for whatever reason, you know, Nimoy or the powers that be cut it out. Right. It's, uh, I'm going to reiterate my mm. uh, observations. That's every time I see Spock, he looks like he's going to lunge. <laughs> And in this case, you know, we know he's suffering from Ponfar. The, his blood is boiling. Um, but every time we see him, he, he looks mad. He looks like he's going to hurt somebody. Right. I wonder how much of that was, how much of this, my, Chris's observation, right, of Spock looking uh, mean. Yeah. <laughs> or ready to leap. <laughs> uh, how much of that was, was deliberate to say, you know, without Spock's Katra, here is a Vulcan who's, you know, is this a, is this the, is this the general state of a Vulcan without the, uh, a the, primitive version of the Vulcan? Primitive, they, yeah. So without they weren't the, able to control their emotions. Exactly. Exactly. Is this what we get? Now, granted, when we, when we first meet Spock, number one, very docile, very friendly, mm. you, know, you know, touching, touching Savick's nose and all that stuff. But Spock number two and now Spock number three, they both have a little bit of, mm, I don't know, menace. And, and granted, again, Ponfar is, is what's doing it here. But there's just something like, oh, are we supposed to? Is it, is it a deliberate decision to show this kind of other side of a Vulcan? Right. Uh, is it supposed to be more subliminal? You know, like, well, when you don't have any emotions or you don't have any control over your emotions, this is what you get. Well, is it? So is it the Ponfar itself that's causing the emotions to come out? Like I think so here, yes. Well, even if he was under control, even if Spock pick a Vulcan, Savik, Tapal, um, Tuvok, when they experience Ponfar, is it a breakdown as so they obviously go through this this blood boiling thing. It creates great, but does it is it a breakdown of their emotional control as well? That's when I think it, it, you're see, sort of saying like, is it the 
because Spock's Katra is not in there, and therefore your brain, your Katra, your soul controls the the Ponfar, the emotions from coming out. Mm-hmm. But when you experience Ponfar, is it just like you just there is no control? Control is lost. I think I think we've seen that control is harder to manage. Uh, but I, but I still think I'm going to stick with when there's no Katra, you get, you get a more violent Vulcan. You get, you get primitive Vulcan. Primitive Vulcan. I like primitive, primitive Vulcan. That's what you get. That's what I'm sticking with. So I do like that, but But. (laughs) I'm just wondering Part of me just wonders if it's just because it's Ponfar that therefore there is sort of a loss of control. All right. Well, let's pay attention then. Yeah. See, so we, we still got a. I think we have a couple more Spocks to look at. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what do you think of this Spock? I like Spock number one still. He's still my favorite Spock. Okay. I'm not sure I like Angry Spock. So we have, we have, in, uh, young, inquisitive, curious Spock, who likes to touch things and has somewhat of a mild demeanor. Mm-hmm. We have mouth-breathing Spock, yeah, who looks crazy, and then you have angry Spock. You think he's angry? This is really what's coming through. Yeah, he's pretty. Looks pretty. He, he doesn't looks look angry. like he's. Yeah, he doesn't look like he's. Uh, hurting he looks like he's mad so i think out of the three spocks i think i like curious spock more than i like the other two okay Uh, yeah he definitely i i I think i agree i yeah he makes me feel calm spock number one these other two have as i've shared make me feel nervous and interestingly i don't feel nervous for savik i feel nervous for me yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I'm like, Ooh. Uh, like if he turned and looked at the camera right now, I'd be like, ah, oh, and run. Um, but yeah, and I'm surprised he's not, um, you know, like, not to go too too far with the pond far. I'm surprised he doesn't, you know, like when he sees Savic, be like, oh, hello, and <laughs> try to make a move. You mean basically jumper? Well, yeah, to be. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is, we're going to say he's primitive Vulcan, and right. therefore he's basically emotion. He's an empty shell just with emotion. And he, I would think, I would ex- almost expect that. Yeah. That he would, the basics of his emotional response would be that if he sees a female, he would basically yep. go after her. Go after her. There you go. Trying to be, trying to keep it PG. Yes, definitely PG. Um, yeah, yeah, it's Savic too. I mean, I guess, and I, I guess Savic is. We're, we must be wrong, mm. right? Because Savic is not wary of him. Right, she comes right up to him, right, yep. and and you know gets very close, and so uh, I think we are wrong. Yeah, it doesn't it it doesn't appear that it's a, you know, it's a she's in danger. Animalistic emotion where it's like uncontrollable. It 
she must know that she is safe and that um how do I want to put it that there's no yeah there's no danger to her right she must know maybe he just doesn't know what he needs to do in order to get past Ponfar right because he just feels he just has himself he's huddled he feels the pain he doesn't know what to do and obviously she knows how to help him right yeah that's a good point too I, I I guess I'm 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 assuming that you know there's he's he's um I'm incorrectly assuming that he is, you know, full on like lusting for, mm. you know, her or <laughs> her. And really it's, he's, he's suffering, he's suffering from Ponfar, which is that his blood is, blood is boiling. He's, he's feeling all this, experiencing all this pain that goes with it. Right. It's not necessarily a, a lustful thing. It's a painful thing. It's not a, so yeah, that's, that would also explain it. So yeah, so she she even asks him in Vulcan. She even says to him, "Will you trust me?" Mm. Um, and then she raises her fingers. And then she yes, it it's kind of a nice moment when they she stops talking and they sort of pull back to you see them looking face to face, and then she raises her her hand with the two fingers, and you know it looks like she's going to reach down to grab something yes we'll leave it at that right and i think we you know we, i think we can yeah, leave it at that and just know that we know we've talked about the two-finger gesture yes is a, is a gesture of affection with vulcans yes and so yeah we had mentioned that a little bit when uh young when curious spock was touching her nose and he was using the two fingers yes so yeah, so I think we want to. I don't think we want to go. Obviously, the minute's over too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're sort wanna... of being delicate around <laughs> the Ponfar subject, and I believe Monday we will we'll just go after it. We'll, and go we'll let it. it all. We'll let it all out. Okay. All our opinions, all our comments, everything. Yes. I think we'll just. I think we'll just. We'll just go for it and talk about it. Yeah, agreed. Because okay. I think it is. It's a tricky subject to talk about because there's so much. So much behind it. Yeah. And we can, yeah, and we can speculate. There'll be a lot of speculation yes. too. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So, so final, before we wrap up then, do you, did you have, did you have other notes for this minute? You things you want to chat about? So it's funny you say that, Chris, <laughs> um, and I appreciate the segue. <laughs> so obviously one of the things that we do, um, you know, little tidbit behind the scenes, I'm sure all the minute people do this is we have the minute running continually or i do have the minute continually running on a separate monitor that i can i can view it without sound and i just sort of look at things as i go and i can scrub back and forth so we had talked about a little bit or i did i should say a little bit about the beginning of the scene how it looked like two of the scenes were perhaps out of order mm -hmm. like there's the scene where she the tree upends and she gets up and is scanning and then there's the scene where it looks like she stands up again and I said that it looks like they're somewhat cut out of order. Um, with that, I went back and was scrubbing again, and it appears that I may be right. Okay. So at about the six-second uh, portion of this minute, the tree is upending. She stands up, and the root—you know—the root has come out of the ground. And what appears to be in the tree is a Klingon. 
it was a Klingon. It went yes, like falling out of the tree. Either above on another, because uh, they're in some sort of cavern or some sort of cave or some sort of area that I'm gonna guess is he might be above her, because we're seeing like the top of the tree. It's um, tall. Yeah, and you can totally tell that there is a Klingon above her in that mess of tree. You can. It's absolutely Klingon. Yeah, and right. I don't. I, I don't know if they were just. This happened to be filmed and was going to be used in another portion of the movie. Um, reminder that I have not seen the movie in a long time, so I'm doing this one minute at a time without having recollection. So I don't. I know that there's stuff happens later with the Klingons and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I'm wondering if this was just one of those throwaway scenes that they needed. So Spock was clearly going to go through uh, his next metamorphosis into a new version of Spock. And they needed something to coincide with it. And this was a scene that had a surge of the planet. So they needed to have some sort of bridge. Yeah. And that's the only thing I can think of why this scene exists here. It's so funny because we were talking about the scene. I'm like, yeah, there's like all yeah. this chaos. I can't tell what's going on, and <laughs> there's, that's part of the reason. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking. There's actually a Klingon in that as that tree is getting is falling over. It's it's the back of a Klingon. Yeah. So uh, it's as we go. I, I mean, I want to do a little more research offline, and maybe for the next minute we can come back and talk about it. But I think I want to know <laughs> where this fits in. Yeah. Where does it connect? Where does this connect with everything? Yep. Sure. Because I think that's – this is one time where I'm like – I'm very intrigued by this mistake. This is clearly a mistake. Yeah. And I'm and – I, and, and I need to know more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas the – that would be awesome if we can find – if it actually – if that that moment we're seeing actually smoothly fits into yeah. an upcoming Fits into scene. another portion, yeah. yeah. Or <laughs> I wonder if it is – yeah, I, 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 so definitely we have homework to do. Okay, all right, great. <laughs> I like homework. Yeah. All right, well, good call, man. Good eye. And that's a like that's a live observation. That wasn't even like yeah, something, just, something, something you notice as prep for this episode. Yeah. This is something what you noticed as we were talking. Impressive. Long movie. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, then, did you have any other notes beyond that? I, I don't. Okay. Um, but... nor, nor do I. Okay. Um, so well, should we wrap it up then? We can uh, go enjoy the weekend we and uh, do uh, do our homework. Enjoy the weekend, yep. and we'll be back next week talking about uh, all things. Uh, what do you we'll let it all out? Ponfar. Yep. All things Ponfar. <laughs> all things Ponfar. Awesome. All right. Well then, folks. Um, while you're waiting. Uh, over the weekend, why don't you head on out to tpublic.com slash Star Trek Minute and take a look at all the uh, fun swag we get out there. We got some t-shirts, we got some stickers and iPhone cases and all sorts of whatnot. Um, good stuff. Every purchase you make, a little bit comes back to the show, helps keep the lights on here at Star Trek Minute. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday talking about Minute 59 of the Search for Spock here at Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Pan Far!